showcasing beloved favorites and forgotten gems, this is The Archive with Jason Jury on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network.
For Ramsgate in Kent, England, it's a very warm welcome once again to the first part of another jam-packed edition of the Cinematic Sound Radio Podcast Archive Show. I am your host, Jason Drury, podcaster extraordinaire, producer, fan of Bazboy, if you sensibly, and proud member of the IFMCA. Thanking you very much again for taking time out of your very, very busy day for joining us on this show. Before we continue, another crawl through film music past and near present. I must not forget to say a big hello to our Cinematic Sound Radio patrons, because if not, I'll have Eric on my back. And if you want to join the Cinematic Sound Radio podcast Patreon, then please, please, please head over to patreon.com slash Cinematic Sound Radio. Also, if you dare, I would really, really like it if you could rate and review the show. I very much like to read what you think of this show, usually with a blindfold, and if I'm actually able to read it, I may even read out a review on the show. So come on, give it a go. I don't bite. Often. We kicked off part one of the show with the classic Desert Chase Cue from the 1981 Spielberg-directed classic film Raiders of the Lost Ark, which, if you did not know, starred Harrison Ford, Karen Allen, Denham Elliott, and some other people. With music composed and conducted by John Williams and performed by the London Symphony Orchestra, featuring the solo trumpet of Maurice Murphy. Played for the good reason as the latest film of the Indiana Jones saga, Indiana Jones and Dollar Destiny, has recently just come out in cinemas. In the same year, 1981, a lot of other films came out, but including this one we're about to feature right now. Oh, what a segue. You don't get this sort of thing on the flagship show. The recent release from Entrada Records of the 1981 slasher film Deadly Blessing. The film tells the story of a strange figure committing a murder in a contemporary community, but is not far from another community that believes in ancient evil and curses. The film was an early directing effort by renowned horror director Red Craven and starred Ernest Borgnine, sorry for the mispronunciation there, Ernest Borgnine, Marion Jensen, Susan Buckner, and in an early role, Sharon Stone. The film critic site All Movie comments that the film, quote, finds director Wes Craven in a transitional phase between his hard-hitting early work and his later commercial successes, unquote. Now, the film score was composed by James Horner one year before he ended up scoring his breakthrough score, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, and in certain accounts, Deadly Blessing, one of the scores that was heard by the producers of Wrath of Khan, managed to get him the gig for his first major score. The ghost of a score by the composer of Star Trek The Motion Picture, Jerry Goldsmith, 1976 The Omen, rises prominently in this score. Horner never publicly spoke about the influence, although he was a great admirer of Goldsmith and also managed to attend some of the recording sessions of Star Trek The Motion Picture. The Omen influences are clearly there from the start of the score, as a male choir sings Latin words in tense clusters. Now, Horner 
isn't a composer many people associate with the horror genre, but if you go through his early back catalogue, you will see a number of horror films appearing. They include films like his second actual complete score, Humanoids Fond of Deep, The Hand, and his previous score before Deadly Blessing, Wolfen, scores which helped hone the James Horner sound, and these familiar tropes of Horner's music, which we came to know throughout his career, are very much present in the score for Deadly Blessing. So now let's listen to some music from Deadly Blessing.
That was the suite of music from the 1981 slasher horror film Deadly Blessing with visual score composed and conducted by James Horner and performed by the Hollywood Studio Symphony Orchestra. The original soundtrack recording has recently been released by Intrada Records. The home for beloved favourites and forgotten gems, this is The Archive with Jason Jury on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Now I sometimes hear a new release from an archival soundtrack label like La La Land Records and from the very first few notes I think yes I've got to play this on my show. This occurrence happened when I listened for the very first time to this magnificent release. Music from the 1992 adaptation of the classic Emily Bronte novel Wuthering Heights. Directed by Peter Kominsky and starring in his feature film debut Ray Fiennes. The composer of this wonderful score, Japanese composer Ryuichi Sakamoto, whose death was sadly announced in March 2023. Now, there has been a number of film and TV adaptations of Wolfing Heights over the years, but there was something in this adaptation that Sakamoto sparked an immediate interest. They showed me some footage and immediately I got a feeling totally different from the earlier version, he said during an interview with the independent newspaper. That was, to me, a typical Hollywood melodrama. This is kind of new wave. Usually a love story is noisy. I love you, oh I love you, and music crashing. Here the landscape and the atmosphere are very quiet. That's a major reason why I chose it. The film would not, of course, remain quiet for long, as because at Komiski's behest, Sakamoto wound up composing about 67 minutes of underscore, for a 106 minute film, the majority of which was used. As a rule, inexperienced directors usually want more music, he noted. At a deep level, they know that silence is very strong. They can't control it. In Othering Heights, there are many cues, wall to wall. As a result, Sakamoto's music would have an unusually strong presence in the finished film a presence which was heavily praised by film music critics at the time. Its purpose was the same as Bronte's narration in the original book, helping to bridge time jumps and support the continuity of the multi-generational story. 30 years since this movie adaptation of Emily Bronte's Robin Heights was released in cinemas. Finally, there is a much-anticipated release of this score outside of Sakamoto's native Japan. All this sadly tempered by the loss of Maestro Sakamoto just as this expanded and remastered album was being prepared. This wonderful score, for many people like myself, a new discovery, is a fitting tribute to one of the finest composers of film music ever to come out of Japan and a fine example of a composer's lifelong passion of exploring new musical horizons.
That was music from the 1992 film adaptation of Emily Bronte's Rothering Heights, with original score composed and conducted by Yuichi Sakamoto and performed by the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. This original soundtrack recording is highly recommended. Original soundtrack recording is available from La La Land Records, and as I said before, it is a fitting tribute to the legacy of the great Ryuichi Sakamoto. This is The Archive with Jason Jury on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. In a recent episode of The Archive, yes, I've done more of these in the past, you'd believe, I featured some music from a re-recording of Jerry Goldsmith's scores for the General Electric Theatre Anthology series which ran from 1953 to 1962 and was hosted by a certain Ronald Reagan. These re-recordings have been financed by Kickstarter with the scores reconstructed by a friend of the show, Lee Phillips, performed by members of the City of Prague Philharmonic Orchestra. At the behest of the Goldsmith Odyssey podcast. Now recently Lee has kindly released two more of these scores re-recorded by the City of Prague, making now four in total which have been released. The two new episode scores are Hitler's Secret which sounds these days like a title of a documentary on History Channel story-wise and The Legend That Walks Like a Man, a suite of which I'm shortly about to play you. The episode is about a Dow of Luck movie director played by Ennis Borgnine, or Ennis Borgnine if you prefer. So here now is a short suite from the episode of the General Electric Theatre entitled The Legend That Walks Like a Man, the original score composed by Jerry Goldsmith and performed by members of the City of Prague Philharmonic Orchestra conducted by Lee Phillips.
That was a suite from the General Electric Theatre episode The Legend That Walks Like a Man, with which was called Composed by Jerry Goldsmith and performed in its re recording by members of the City of Prague Philharmonic Orchestra, conducted by Lee Phillips. This Kickstarter re recording is available digitally from all your favourite digital outlets. Hopefully, we'll be hearing more from this series very, very soon. And incidentally, if you want to hear how the General Electric Theatre series for re-recordings came about, please, please have a listen to an interview I've done recently with Lee Phillips, which is coming soon on the Cinematic Sound Radio podcast. Delving into the greats of film music's past, this is The Archive with Jason Jury on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Now, on our last archive show, we played a re-recording, a wonderful re-recording, of Jerry Goldsmith's first ever film score, Black Patch, which was performed by the Royal Scottish National Orchestra, conducted by the great William Strongberg. Well, recently, they've been back in the recording studio again, this time re-recording two of the great Bernard Herrmann scores with our good friend Mike Ross Trevor behind the mixing desk. The scores in question were The Man Who Knew Too Much, the 1955 remake of Alfred Hitchcock's own 1934 version of the film, which starred James Stewart and Doris Day, and On Dangerous Ground, from 1951, a film noir melodrama which starred Robert Ryan and Ida Lupino, directed by Nicholas Ray and produced by John Houseman. The film's plot centres on rough city cop Jim Wilson, who is disciplined by his captain and sent upstate to a snowy mountain town to help a local sheriff solve a murder case. On Dangerous Ground is a legendary Herman masterpiece with a balance of excitement and nostalgic romance which features one of Herman's own personal favourite cues, a death hunt, 
with French horns wildly baying and yelping on the left while trumpets and trombones jab and parry on the right. Herman called for a unique sound of a steel anvil, brake drum or pipe to add to the frightening pace. Another crucial feature of this score is the very tender and moving music Herman scored for the romantic elements of the film between Detective Robert Ryan and blind woman Ida Lupino. Herman wrote some difficult solos for the viola de l'amour, a baroque period instrument with additional strings that makes it challenging to play to achieve a unique, very personal sound of any orchestra. So let's now play music from a re-recording of true Bernard Herrmann classic, music from On Dangerous Ground.
That was a suite of music from the 1951 classic thriller On Dangerous Ground. The original score composed by Bernard Herrmann and wonderfully performed this re-recording by the Royal Scottish National Orchestra conducted by William Strongberg and recorded by our great friend Mike Ross Trevor. This new re-recording paired with another Classic Herman scored from 1955, The Man Who Knew Too Much, with liner notes from another friend of the station, the great Stephen C. Smith, who got so many friends to good stuff at the moment, it's unbelievable, has been released by Entrada Records. Showcasing beloved favourites and forgotten gems... This is The Archive with Jason Jury on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. The Killing Fields is a 1984 British biographical drama about the Khmer Rouge regime in Cambodia, which was based on the experiences of two journalists, Cambodian Diff Pran and American Sidney Schamberg. It was directed by Roland Joffe and produced by David Putnam for Goldcrest Films. Stan Walterson starred as Schomburg and Hang S. Neur as Pran. The film also starred Julian Sands and John Malkovich. The screenplay was written by Bruce Robertson and the score was composed by Mike Oldfield. Film was a success at the box office and an instant hit with critics. At the 57th Academy Awards, it won three Oscars from seven nominations, including Best Supporting Actor for Hanks S. Neur, who had no previous acting experience. At the 38th BAFTA Film Awards, it won eight BAFTAs, including Best Film and Best Actor in a Leading Role for Neur. Although Michael Field's music has been used in films before, like The Exorcist, this was the first time he had written specifically for film, and to date, the only time, with the score composed mainly on the Fairlight CMI. Oldfield's work on the score was partially instigated by Virgin boss Richard Branson when he told Oldfield to see David Putnam, the producer on the film, who secured him the role. From the album's liner notes, here are Mike Oldfield's recollections on writing the score for The Killing Fields. Quote, I didn't hear anything from David Putnam for some time after our initial meeting, but I did from the film's director, Roland Joffe, and got on well with him. I started working on Killing Fields music before I moved to Switzerland. When I began composing the soundtrack, they were still shooting the movie in Thailand. The rushes would be sent over to me, and I would write music to fit the rushes I'd seen. Even at this stage, the film was very moving and powerful. With the benefit of hindsight, I didn't really have much of an understanding of how movies worked, really. I didn't realise that the rough cut was going to be all changed later on, and then my music wouldn't make sense in the final edit. In the end, time ran out, and I had to move to Switzerland because I had to make the Discovery album and do the 1984 tour following that. So I left the film company with masses of music. Unfortunately, a lot of unused master tapes had since gone missing, which isn't really surprising considering the many different moves I'd made over the years. Unquote. Oldfield spent six months working on the score before going on tour, but when Oldfield returned, the producers of the film asked for more music to be written, prompting Oldfield 
to ask for use of an orchestra and choir. On reflection, Oldfield wrote, quote, 1984 was an unbelievable year. I made a studio album and a soundtrack album and completed this with a huge tour. I have very fond memories of it all. The main thing I wrote for The Killing Fields is a lovely tune, although to date I haven't worked on another film soundtrack. Unquote. Thank you. 
Plateau's music from the 1984 biographical drama The Killing Fields, with original score composed by Michael Field, radio orchestral sections performed by the Bavarian State Opera and Teusser Boys Choir, conducted by Eddard Shaw. The original soundtrack recording was re-released and remastered in 2016 by Virgin Records. We end part one of this edition of the Archive on the Cinematic Sound Radio podcast with a textbook example of an end credit suite from James Newton Howard's score for Peter Pan, the 2003 fantasy adventure film directed by P.J. Hogan and written by Hogan and Michael Goldenberg. Based on the 1904 play and 1911 novel Peter Pan or The Boy Who Wouldn't Grow Up by J.M. Barry and the Disney animated feature of the same name in 1953. I've got to say that for legal reasons. The film starred Hello to Jason Isaacs playing the dual role of Captain Hook and Jaws Darling, with a supporting cast of Olivia Williams, Jeremy Sumper, Rachel Hurd Wood, Ludovine Sagnia, and Lynn Redgrave. This 11 minute end titles and end credit suite does what a good end titled end credit suite should do provide a joyous summary of all the principal motifs of the score in a medley of broad symphonic sweep, contrasting big orchestral statements with quieter, more magical passages, including some new but related material that shows James Susan Howe's inexhaustible musical imagination. So to end the part one of the edition of the archive on the Cinematic Sound Radio podcast, here now is the end credit suite to the 2003 fantasy adventure film Peter Pan, with original score composed by James Newton Howard and performed by the Hollywood Studio Symphony Orchestra, conducted by Pete Anthony. From the original soundtrack recording, released in March 2023, as expanded two disc set by Intrada Records. Thank you very much again for listening. I do hope you've enjoyed part one of this show. Please come back soon and listen to part two. I assure you it'll be worth your while. Until then, from me, Jason Drury, it's take care and happy listening.
Thank you for tuning in to the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. I want to thank Tim Burden for providing his voice for all the bumpers and stingers you hear throughout the program, and David Cosina for providing Cinematic Sound Radio's theme music. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email us at cinematicsound at yahoo.com. You can find us on social media at Sinsound Radio on Twitter and Cinematic Sound on Facebook. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please take a moment right now to rate the show and write a brief review. Reviews help introduce potential listeners to the show. And while you're at it, head over to TeePublic to get a Cinematic Sound Radio t-shirt. And don't forget to check out Cinematic Sound Radio at cinematicsound.net. <laughs>